Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, where we explore the leading practices that have emerged in Vizient's PI collaboratives. I'm Marilyn Sherrill, Senior Performance Improvement Program Director at Vizient and your program host. In this podcast, we'll discuss surgical services throughput as it relates to first case on-time starts. Surgery is important to a hospital's mission, revenue, and margins. Deferred surgeries, preventive care, rising patient acuity, a maturing inpatient to outpatient shift, and the persistent pressure of health inequality are impacting surgery volumes. Operating room operational metrics are not publicly available. Hospital leadership and OR leadership want to know how they are performing compared to others regarding current operational state and prioritizing areas for improvement. Today's podcast is the second of a two-part series addressing surgical services throughput. The OR is one place organizations can generate revenue. Today's session is about first case on-time starts. Joining me for today's discussion is Dr. Jay Prostowski, Principal Operations and Quality with a background as a general surgeon, and Roseanne Zagone, Associate Principal Advisory Services with years of experience as an operating room nurse and leader. Both of my guests today are from Vizient. Dr. Prostowski and Roseanne, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Marilyn. Dr. J, we'll start with you. When we think about surgical services throughput, why are first case on-time starts so important? First case starts are important for a few reasons, Marilyn. One is that it sets the tone for the day. If we have our patient prepared properly, if the room is prepared properly, our teams are ready to go in a timely fashion. It sets the tone for the day that we are an organization that functions well, functions effectively. At the same time, there is a throughput aspect to the first case that is very important to note. Simply put, if that first case is delayed, the likelihood of the second case being delayed and the third and the fourth case, if there are additional multiple cases in that room on that day, all of those subsequent cases are highly likely to be delayed. And more so, the effect of delays in the beginning of the day is exponential. So that if we lose five or 10 minutes, even 15 minutes at the beginning of the day, we are likely to lose 30, 45 minutes, an hour at the end of the day. It has a very significant add-on effect that is created throughout the course of our day. To be an effective and efficient organization to maximize utilization of our capacity, getting started on time at the beginning of the day really is quite important to our overall success. Great. Roseanne, is there a standard definition for what is meant by on time? That totally depends on the organization and who you talk to. There are two definitions. One is wheels into the room and the other one is cut time. It is defined both ways depending on the facility, how they are going to measure their on-time starts. And the time of day for their first cases also varies by facility. Some hospitals consider seven o'clock wheels in the room is on time so that they can cut by 7.30. Some hospitals measure just the cut time to be at 7.30. Other hospitals say 7.30 wheels in is on time start. It varies from facility to facility, and I have also found that it varies depending on who you talk to at a certain facility. 
that would make it kind of difficult to benchmark against each other, wouldn't it? It's very challenging. So does it make sense for organizations when we talk about on-time starts to have a grace period when it comes to calculating on-time starts, Dr. J? In my opinion, no. Many organizations will put in a five-minute, a 10-minute, a 15- or 20-minute grace period, or they will analyze their data based on what percentage of cases are in the room. As Roseanne said, we're using wheels in as the marker by the scheduled start time, and then determine the length of delay for those that are not, and give themselves a grace period. I think that best practice is to be aware of what those delays are, but to not use that as your North Star. Think about when you're flying. You go to the airport, the departure time is 2 p.m. It's your expectation that you'll be on the plane and the plane will be pushing away from the gate at 2 p.m. or before 2 p.m., but not after. Anything after is a delay and is a delay that will have an effect on subsequent cases. It's commonplace for it to be done, but I think organizations are best served by saying, hey, this is our start time. This is what we are going to work from and what we're going to measure ourselves against. And sure, if we're one or two minutes late, that doesn't sound that bad. I understand that. But we should settle on one single, simple, understandable metric. And that should be a start time. And that's what we measure ourselves against. Grace periods sound a little like an accountant cooking the books to me. It's not devious in any way, shape, or form, but it misses the point of what we're trying to accomplish. And I think it sends a signal that if we are an institution where we're going to measure ourselves against the start time in, let's say, a 10-minute grace period, then people look at the 10-minute grace period and that's where the goalposts have been moved to. So now if it's 12 or 13 minutes, then you have the team saying, we're really only two or three minutes behind. No, you're 12 or 13 minutes behind. But with the grace period, we've given them the wiggle room to push out how they frame their performance in a way that I think becomes a very slippery slope. Let's draw the line at the start time, the scheduled start time, whether it's an incision or wheels in, let's measure ourselves against that and then go from there. Yeah, I like that analogy of moving the goalposts. That really makes it clear when you think about that. Roseanne, is there a cutoff time for when cases are no longer considered the first case of the day? Was that 10 a.m. or 11 a.m.? What do organizations do about that? Generally, you look at your first cases being before your last group of staff arrive. That's generally around nine o'clock for an OR. Cases tend to be starting 7.30ish, but then there are also staggered starts or late starts. Some hospitals have in-services or staff meetings that delay a start until 8.30. Nine o'clock seems to capture most first cases in the morning for starts. I have also seen where hospitals want to measure the first case in a block. If they have half-day blocks, they also are measuring that first case start in a block in the afternoon. Although when we are doing our analysis, then we generally just look at before 9 a.m. That's interesting. All right, Dr. J, talk a little bit more about the impacts when the first cases are delayed. Let's look at it this way. 
As we have done exploratory research at Vizient with large data sets of patients from all over the country, we have found that overall, the percentage of on-time starts, first case, is about 46 to 47 percent. That's an overall on-time performance. And I'm talking, again, no grace period. If we use wheels in as the marker of timeliness, patients are in the room ahead of the schedule or by the scheduled start time about 46% of the time. If that first case is early, the second case is also likely to be on time or early at about the same percentage, roughly around 46%. But if that first case is late, even by a minute, just group them, you're on time or you're not. If the first case is not on time, the patient's not in the room, then the timeliness of the second case drops from about 46% down to under 20%. So even just going from case one to case two in a room, all comers large numbers of patients that we've studied at nearly 90 providers, 90 hospitals around the country. We've found that the timeliness of the first case will affect the second case, and if not on time, will drop the timeliness of the second case by close to 60 to 70 percent. We're already behind when we get to our second case. If we talk about the third and the fourth case, then if that first case is not on time in the room, and there are, say, four cases in the room that day, the likelihood of that fourth case being on time is well less than 20%. You can pretty much say that if that first case is or is not on time, if on time, you got a good shot at staying on time, but if not on time, you are way behind the eight ball for the second, the third, the fourth case, so forth and so on. And that's just looking at to see whether or not you made it into the room at the scheduled time. If we're talking about the amount of delay, then the more minutes we lose up front, the more in an exponential fashion do we lose minutes at the end of the day. There is a very real quantitative aspect to this that we can model. And as hospitals are trying to get cases done, grow, develop their capacity and their efficiency to do so, this is really a very important opportunity. And it comes back to the grace period idea. And that is that I've had plenty of clients say to me, you know, Jay, listen, 45% of our cases are in the room on time, but another 25% are in within the next 10 minutes. And so now we're close to 70% or 75, whatever it might be. And so that doesn't sound so bad. I'm five minutes late, eight minutes late, 10 minutes late. In the scheme of an eight or 10 hour day, what difference does that make? Is that really that big of a deal? And I think we sort of fool ourselves a little bit. And for whatever reasons, those delays early on, even if they seem relatively minor, somehow have an effect on the rest of the day that can be quite profound. Incidentally, this is not unique to ORs. This is a characteristic of so-called queuing theory that industrial engineers and experts in many other industries have seen for a long, long time. There is a very sound foundation behind this concept that should not really surprise us, and at the same time, it should definitely capture our attention. Interesting. It's reminding me of a lot of things way back in my past, those long, long nights that shouldn't have ended up that way. Roseanne, did you have something you wanted to add to that? I was mainly going to address that we generally have not historically looked at on-time starts for subsequent cases as much as we have just looked at the first case on-time starts. 
And that has been a failure in our own measurements of efficiency in the OR. The OR has oftentimes not put a time for the second case. They have just listed it as to follow versus having an actual time. By having an actual time, though, for the subsequent cases, you can start seeing how your day is going to proceed and what the impact of any delays, not only with the first case, but of subsequent cases is going to have to completion of your OR schedule on time. So it is really key to measure all, to look at all of your on-time starts. I always thought that to follow was interesting. How do the patients know when they're scheduled to have their surgery? That's interesting. So we've got this domino effect in our queuing system where everything's kind of falling apart potentially. Dr. J, how do they get their schedules back on track? Is there any hope for that during the day? It's challenging once you do fall behind. And I think realistically, Marilyn, there will be times when we fall behind. We have a case that turns out to be much more difficult than was anticipated, for example. That's going to happen. A case will go longer. We can actually predict that. We know that for any given case, there is an average time, but there's significant variability, both shorter and longer. However, understanding how we anticipate the schedule to unfold, not with two follows, but with actual times, and therefore can understand best how to manage our workforce and best how to manage our resources. I don't know that we can find another place to speed something up to get back on track onto the schedule, but if we know we are running late and that second case, which was scheduled to start at 10, the first case is not even out of the room yet, Managers can use that information to understand how is this day going to unfold? What are my options? Do I have a room that is going faster than anticipated where I might be able to move cases over? How about my workforce? How many folks are expected to get off shift at 3.30? How many will remain? Who's coming in? What is the mix of cases I have and what can I anticipate at that time? And by the way, Marilyn, folks do this all the time. This is nothing new to most OR managers. What some perhaps don't take advantage of is understanding the timeliness and or delays of not just the first case, but all the cases that follow in order to best manage the resources that we have. And when I discuss this with clients, I like to use the airport analogy because everybody can relate to that. Everybody's been on planes at some point and been through airports and understands the schedules. We just don't look at the first plane of the day and then everything's to follow. That would be absurd when we know there are delays and they happen. Weather, you name it, it comes up. Sometimes we have to cancel, but oftentimes we will find other gates, other resources. Who can we capitalize in order to try to get back as much as we can, the timeliness that we would like for the patients later in the day. Why should they be penalized necessarily if an earlier case is running long? Nobody's fault, but can we begin to think about that? The name of the game is not to be answering those challenges in the moment at two in the afternoon, at three in the afternoon, but be thinking about them at 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30 in the morning. And as delays begin to occur, it's a chess game, not checkers. And I'm thinking about how that's going to line things up for the afternoon. That really is to me where the opportunity is that we probably don't do quite as much as we should. Yeah, this is like looking at the bigger picture, right? And being proactive instead of just honing in on this one room that's malfunctioning. Roseanne? 
being proactive, but also not only looking at your OR as being a piece of this puzzle, but how is it going to impact your pre-op surgery area? How is it going to impact your PACU? How is it impacting your anesthesia? And how about your ancillary services that also service your department like radiology, environmental services, etc.? Yeah, good point, because equipment conflicts, you may start it out the day with needing so many C-arms, let's say, for example, and then all of a sudden you've got a delay in this room and now you've got a a real problem because now you don't have enough C-arms because you didn't schedule for that first case to be delayed or those types of things. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about the benefits of ensuring that our first cases start on time. So what are some of those benefits, Dr. J? From the first patient of the day, they come in, they're ready, they're prepared, they're anxious, of course. And in my experience, practicing surgery, it's reassuring to patients and their families to see the hospital functioning in a unified way, in a prepared way, in a timely way. It just helps to reinforce confidence in what is already a very anxious situation. For first patients of the day who are outpatients and who are hoping to get home later that morning or in the afternoon, the quicker we can get started, the more reliably we can safely get them home at the end of the day. The day doesn't drag on. Certainly in talking to colleagues, other surgeons, that when they're at a hospital where they know that 7.30 means 7.30, that for many, that's an incentive. If I get there on time, I know I can start my day on time, and it becomes a reinforcing strategy. If I'm showing up on time, but boy, that hospital just can't get its act together, we never start before 8 o'clock or 8.15. For whatever reasons, I lose incentive, and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I start to come in later because why should I be waiting around for everybody else? If we really focus and make this happen, then it becomes self-reinforcing on a positive way. Everybody knows, hey, we're used to doing it this way. Let's pull our own weight from a cultural standpoint that we can make things work. It's really, really helpful. And it's really very doable to make it happen. Sometimes it requires a bit more preparation, certainly on the preoperative side, to be sure the patients are there, that their paperwork, their labs, all of those things are in order, which frequently cause first case delays, by the way. It's not just the surgeons having breakfast or the anesthesiologist stop the Dunkin' Donuts for more coffee. It's that the patient's not prepared properly in terms of their consent, in terms of their marking, in terms of their labs, all kinds of things go into a timely first case start. It takes a village to be sure. But I think if we begin to establish that, then everybody really pulls together. And I think that's good for the organization. Yeah, really good thoughts. Roseanne, anything else? With first case on time starts, the most challenging area is pre-admission. It's your registration area. Have all your patients been pre-registered or is your registration desk area going to back up? And your same-day surgery is going to have an influx of all OR cases. It's not going to be just a slow flow. It'll be your first 5, 10, 15, 20 patients all showing up at the same time. And are you ready for that? Do you have a good flow for your patient's arrival and for being pre-opt in same-day surgery. And then back to what Jay was saying, were all their pre-admission testing done? Were consents obtained ahead of time? Will there be a need for a lot of stat lab work that morning? Those things impact at a highest volume of the day at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. 
that's all the time we have for now. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Marilyn. Our thanks to Dr. Jay Pristowski and Roseanne Zagone for sharing their expertise on the topic of surgical services throughput. First case on time starts. And thanks to you all for listening. If you're interested in learning more about these topics or speaking with our subject matter experts, please email us at picollaboratives at vizientinc.com. Please join us for more knowledge on the go. Subscribe today like us and send us your comments. From Vizian's PI Collaborative team, I'm Marilyn Sherrill. <music>